In the name of the Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I'm very pleased and blessed to be here among you. To take the blessing of Virgin Mary, and the blessings of my fathers, and blessings of all of you. And I ask you for your prayers for my weak self. Actually, my my contemplations are was prepared without knowing anything about the Gospel of Vesper. And uh, the title, as Abuna mentioned, few verses from the book Proverbs. But one of them attracted me more than others, which says... He who loves the purity of heart and has grace on his lips, the king will be his friend. It's a great thing that you are one of the friends of a king. But this needs purity of heart. And actually the king here is the king of kings, our Lord Jesus. And this verse is really attached to the verse that we just heard in the Gospel of Vesper today. One of the verses of the Sermon on the Mount, the blessedness, the Beatitudes, when the Lord said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Actually, to reach to purity of heart, you have to be poor in spirit, you have to be meek, you have to be hunger and thirst for the word of God. And then you're going to be pure of heart. So you have to understand that one of, of the beatitude should lead to the other. It's building up. So today I prefer to talk about purity of heart. And to talk about this, I'm going to talk about three things. Or three words. The heart. Number two, purity. Number three, seeing God. And this is the whole verse. Blessed are those who are pure in heart because they shall see God. So if we look at the, the heart, actually it comes in Greek, cardia or cardia. And from where this word comes, the word cardiac, which we use it today in medicine. So, cardia or cardia is the heart. And actually, how we understand the heart? Is the heart is just the, this muscle that is uh, in the size of your palm and pumping blood to the whole body or something else? For sure it is something else. Ah, Lord is not talking about this organ that, that's called heart. So what the word in Greek means, this is very important. In Greek, the heart is the effective center of our being. The heart is the center of emotions, feelings, mood, passions, so we can say that the heart is the desire decisions center. All the desires.
our Lord Jesus was always focusing on the heart. And actually in the Old Testament too. So from the heart, our Lord Jesus said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. This is what he teaches us. What comes from your mouth shows us what type of heart you have. And he said clearly, those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, blasphemies, those are the things which defile a man. So he's talking about if the heart is not pure, we're going to find all these things, this list. And this defines man. And he said also, when he was talking about, uh, figuratively, about a tree, he said, either make the tree good, or its fruits, and its fruits good, or else make the tree bad, and its fruits bad, for the tree is known by its fruits. And he continues saying, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. From abundance of the heart, of your heart, the mouth speaks. And also in the Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mountain, he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So if my treasure are earthly things, you're going to find your heart is just thinking about earthly things, and accordingly this heart is defiled. If I'm thinking about heavenly things, for sure this heart will be pure. And for sure this heart shows me that I am not belonging to anything here on earth, I am belonging to heaven. And actually, this is what we use in our language. In our culture, sometimes we say, I love you from my heart or from the bottom of my heart. Sometimes when we talk about certain issues or things we are talking about, so we could say, uh, it is, our, let us go to the heart of the matter. So here we are not talking about organ. It seems it's the same idea. We we see this meaning actually repeated in the gospel, many, in the Bible, many times. Actually, you could count over eight hundred times the word heart, cardia, comes in the Bible. In the New Testament alone, one hundred five times in ninety eight verses with the same meaning. Okay with the same meaning. So, it is very important to understand the importance of your heart. Actually, sometimes when we evaluate each other, we evaluate what we see. I see you coming to church regularly, so I can say that you are a righteous person. If I see you uh, very angry, I'm, maybe I go and say, oh, this is a bad guy. But I am not able to see your heart. I couldn't. And no one can. But God. God is looking to the heart. In the story when the Lord 
asked Samuel to go to Jesse, Jesse's house, to select one of his children to be a king. For sure, Samuel did the same mistake we do. He was looking for everyone. Oh, this one is tall, strong enough, has strong muscles, and he's cute, something like that. So he selects someone, Elia. But the Lord rejected him. And the Lord said to him, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. Why? For the Lord does not see as man sees. You look with your eyes. I look to the heart. So, the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. This is not the man. Okay, how about the next one, the third one? When he comes to the rejected one, David, the Lord said, he is a man. This is what I want. I look at his heart, his pure heart. His heart is like my heart. Imagine. So, our measures always, when we judge ourselves, each other, eh? our measures are completely false and wrong. Because we are just evaluating what we see. But we are not able to evaluate the heart from inside. So it is very important to notice that the Lord are looking for your heart and in your heart and sees what is in your heart. So we have to guard this heart. We have to guard our heart. The book of Proverbs says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And this is what our Lord Jesus said, whatever you see, whatever, your feelings, emotions, mood, everything related to your heart. So you have to guard your heart. Let us move to the second word, purity. What is purity and how can we understand it? Again, I'm going back to the Greek word. And the Greek word is kasaros or kasaros, which means it actually it has a very wide meaning, very wide, not just pure means clean, but it has more than that. So the Greek word shows us pure, clean, unstained, either literally or ceremonially, ceremonially or spiritually. You know, sometimes in, in their sermons in the Old Testament, they have to do many things. Is it done in a pure way from the pure heart or not? So purity here could be ritual. And it could be spiritual also, not only literal. So it also means guiltless. Different than clean. Guiltless. Innocent. Upright. So it is a condition. It is a condition of a being free from any physical uh, or moral or ritual contamination. This is purity. It means to be genuine. It means to be holy, undefiled. Away from any impurity that uh, be clinging to your heart. And this reminds us with the example of gold. 
Imagine gold when they get this gold from one of the caves or, uh, and they look at it, it's full of impurities, very cheap minerals or metals are linked to this gold. So it is not precious, it's not bright. They have to purify this gold. So they put it in a very high temperature, in a fire, very high temperature. What's going to happen? Every metal has certain melting point. So when the melting point comes, this metal will get down in this furnace and they get rid of it. And the second one, third one. So as much as the time is long, with very high temperature, you got the very pure gold. And this is very precious. Since when you get it from the mine was not precious. It's just uh, different metals are attached to each other or linked to each other without uh, any purification. So this gives us the example how the Lord needs our heart to be pure. So purity here, it's a condition. It's not just a, a, a character. It is a condition. And we have to keep it all the time. To have a pure heart, it's a condition. Purity of heart means to be free from all wicked motivations, sinful intentions, and to have no unworthy interests, self-seeking desires. And that's to say... Being holy. Being holy. And this is the whole idea. All the church fathers look at this and they said about the purity that it means to be totally free from anything which blinds and darkens the mind. And at this moment, the mind and soul of the are darkened, you'll be able to see God or to unite with God. This union needs a purity. So if, if we reach to this level, darkness, notice that the Lord said that you are not the children of darkness, or but you are the children of light. So at this moment, if darkness covered our mind and soul, will not be able to see things clearly. And we will not be able to shine the light of the Lord around us. When he said to us in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world, we know that he is the light of the world. And he said clearly that I am the light of the world. So how come he is calling us the light of the world too? Actually, he is reflecting his light to our heart, and from our heart we're going to reflect this light towards others. Exactly like if you have a piece of mirror, if it is clean, uh, the, the sun rays will be reflected through this mirror to all around the area you are standing in. But imagine if this mirror is really not clean, has a lot of spots, Maybe many things were poured over this piece of mirror. What do you expect? 
Is it able to reflect the whole light strongly as if it is clean? No, for sure not. So here is the idea. To reflect the light of Christ to everyone around you in the darkness of this world, you have to have a pure heart to reflect this light. Otherwise you're going to fail to reflect the light uh, around you. And when he says to us, you are the light of the world, he intended to say to us, watch, be watchful. Your heart should be clean and pure to be able to reflect the light. So purity of heart, you have to understand that when God created us, created man, he created him in his image and likeness. And that's to say, in holiness, in purity. So what happened? Why we lost our purity? Imagine Adam and Eve were naked. And you are not ashamed. Why? Because their mind is pure. But when they ate, corruption happened to our nature because of sin. And out of this corruption, they felt that they are naked and they had to hide themselves and you know the story. Corruption that happened to their nature, the human nature, makes the image of God to be tarnished. We are not pure now. Some impurity happened and they reached to us. So how can we restore this image back? Actually, it happened for every one of us in our baptism. When you died, buried, and rose with Christ through your baptism, you restored back the image of God. Your heart is clean and pure. You are in the level of purity and holiness, the first image. You restore it back. And you have to keep it. You have to preserve this pure image throughout your life. And to live in this holiness every day of your life. And this is why uh, our Lord Jesus is ordering us to be holy. To be pure in heart. Actually, St. Peter in his first epistle said about that, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And notice that this is order. It's not up to me and you. We have to be holy by the order of God. We have to keep this image. Okay? We got it in the, in our baptism. So what happened after that? We walk in purity after receiving this image before the Lord. And to do that, we have to do, number one, to love Him from all of our hearts, as He mentioned. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So we love is number one. To 
keep this purity, to love God, how we know that, we all of us know love God. How you prove that? We shouldn't love God just by word, but by deed, as the Bible teaches us. By deed. It's not just by word. Imagine if I come to you and said, I love you, and then I am doing something displeases you, or dishonor you, or disrespect uh, you. Is this is the way? How can I prove my love to you? Actually, this is what we do. But if you love someone, actually, you are really, really very careful about keeping this person very pleased because of your deeds or actions or behavior with him, with attitude, everything. I'm trying to please this man or this woman. And I have to do everything to please this man. Actually, this is a practical love. Love the Lord from all of your heart. Again, he is cooking for the heart. From all of your heart. And then, I love God. Continue the verse. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes we fail in the second part. I can love God, but you know I'm selective. What that means? You know what? Whoever loves me, I love them. Whoever hit me, I hate them. And this is not the love that the Lord is looking for. You have to love every person, even your enemies. Love everyone. Actually, I'm going back to the idea of the mirror and light. To show you how can we love our enemies. If I'm in a very dark room, I have flashlight in my hand. If I direct the light of this flashlight into any spot in this room, it will be just a spot of light. And the whole room is still dark. Imagine if I discover that there is a mirror here in this room, this dark room, and I direct the flashlight into this mirror. What's going to happen? The light will be reflected to the whole room. It will be full of light as much as the light as the power of the light that comes from the flashlight in your hand to the mirror the much how much light you're going to have at this room same thing if you are directing your love to the lord it will be reflected to everyone around you even your enemies we're going to know how to love each other just direct your love to the lord Make sure that I am really proving that I love God, but not by words. And this is very important. And this will lead us to keep the heart pure. Second thing, to listen to the words of the Lord. He said, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are clean, you are pure, just because the words you heard from me, or you read I remember a nice story here in the church history. Someone to, went to the monastic life in the wilderness and he went to his uh, cell and they said to him, you have to read your Bible and spend your time in prayer. So he always reading the Bible, but he complained to his father of confession saying, you know Abuna, I read the Bible many times, but I, I benefit nothing. Abuna tell him, you know the solution? He said, what? Just go and read your Bible again. 
And he went again and he spent some time. And he returned back. Abuna, I didn't benefit anything. And he said to him, again, go to your room or to your cell and read your Bible. For the third time. And later he came back to his father of confession after a few days or so, or a few a week or whatever. And he said to him, it doesn't work. I still didn't benefit anything from my readings. And he said to him, okay, go inside my cell. There is two baskets. You know, the basket is made of uh, palm leaves. And he said to him, there is two baskets over there. And he said, yes. He said to him, take one of these baskets and go to the water well and fill it from the water and come back. He was really happy because he thought that maybe he's going to make a miracle. He's going like two miles to the water well and he's going to fill the basket from water and for sure this basket have a lot of holes because of these leaves but miraculously it's going to keep the water inside it but first time he put the basket and he gave it up he find out that all the water is poured down he tried again and again and again and he spent the half day Trying to do it, maybe by uh, obedience, maybe by prayer, maybe by so and so. And finally, he was desperate and returned back to his father of confession very sadly. And the father told him what happened. And he said, I did what you said. I tried to fill the basket with water from this well. But always the water goes down and the basket failed to keep the water. And he was really saddened. And so his father of confession asked him, and he said, you know what? Go and bring the other basket. He went inside the cell and he brings the other basket. And he said to him, compare the two baskets. What happened? What happened? He noticed that his basket is pure, is clean, while the other basket is full of dirt. And he said to him, this is what our Lord Jesus said to us. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. The word of God purifies you. Even if you don't feel the benefit of reading the Bible. Sometimes we complain, you know, I read these stories many times. I don't, I forget, I forgot it. I don't remember it. I don't get any benefit. That's fine. But the word of God has its effect in your heart. It washes your heart to be clean and pure like the basket used to keep the water. Failed to keep the water in, but was purified by the water. Number three. We have to be wise in our way. We have to be wise. And the Bible says, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise men. So to have pure heart, you have to be wise in your life. Because as Abuna at the introduction said, Satan can deceive us by many things. And he's very clever to introduce to you something very attractive and hiding the consequences and you can see it, oh it's, it seems that it's good. I like it. It's a good idea. Wow, this is great. I think this is, uh, will benefit a lot. I will benefit a lot out of it. Okay? Do you think that, did you examine this idea in the light of the gospel? Is it right or wrong? 
Actually, it doesn't contradict what is in the Bible. Be wise. Be wise. Because Satan can put some poison inside a piece of chocolate. And cover it with a very nice colorful Sullivan or certain type of uh, attractive uh, piece of paper or whatever. Be careful. He is deceiving and you have to be wise. Some Paul tells us that we know his tricks. We know it. We know who, what he is going to do. So don't believe anything. You have to be really careful with every thought comes to your mind. Whether from your mind or from your peers, you have to be careful. Examine it to see it is good or bad. Don't be fool, as the Bible says, and do whatever you like. And this will lead us to the last point. Actually, it was the last. To the other point. And to be, or to have discernment. You have to, to differentiate. Sometimes we talk to someone and you know what? This is, it's not, it's not good. This is really bad. This is a sin. Okay? Give me a verse from the Bible that said that. Come on. You have the Spirit inside you. The Holy Spirit inside you. You and the, and some, John tells us that the Spirit, you have the anointment and it, this anointment will teach you everything. The Holy Spirit who guided the writers of the gospel is within you. You have to live with the Spirit of the Bible. Don't look for literal words in a certain verse. You have to be careful. When he said to us, walk, seer some respectly, يعني بالعربي يقول, سيروا بتدقيق. يعني بتدقيق. You have to be really, really careful. Imagine those who are walking in a, in a rope, in the air, up high. They are walking very carefully. They know very well, where should I put my feet and which angle. And if I just change anything here, I'm going to fall down. So I'm walking very carefully on this line. In our spirituality, we need that. We need that. And we have to have discernment. And again, let me, let me quote St. Paul from his epistle to the first Thessalonians when he says, test all things. Test all things before you accept it, before you do it. Just test. See, it is okay or not? Is it biblical or not? Or against the spirit of the Bible? What do you think? Test all things. Hold fast what is good. So now I'm selective. I'm going to select the good things only. Abstain from every form of evil. Every form of evil. Sometimes we said, no, it's not a sin. Abstain from every form of sin. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify makes you holy, makes your heart pure, okay? And may your Holy Spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. And again, blameless means pure. And the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's very important to have discernment. Last point, to have self-control. To live self-controlled life. 
And uh, St. Paul again to the Galatians says, Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Sometimes you say, oh, we are in a free country. I'm 18 years old. I can do whatever I want. By the law, I'm, you know, I'm free. I'm able to do whatever I want. And no one can tell me right or wrong or yes or no. I'm, I'm, I'm the master of myself. Remember these words. Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. For sure, if I go through these four or five points, I'm going to have a pure heart. For sure. I'm always testing everything, selecting the good things. I am away from every form of evil. And I am uh, wise enough to see the devil and his tricks. And I'm uh, having self-control to be strong enough to say no to my peers when it is something should it be done. For sure you're going to have a pure heart. Okay, we got the new form or the new image in our baptism. And we have to walk through all these things in our life. But you know what? Sometimes our walk could be out of a step with God. Allowing some things comes to the heart. Some impurities. We allow some impurities to go to this heart. And for sure, it is against our purity. So what are we going to do? Jeremiah the prophet said, The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? Oh, Jeremiah, you're going to tell us that we don't know? And we'll be able to know? And you said that our heart is deceitful? So what are we going to do now? We need a pure heart. Actually, to gain this purity, you have to understand you will not be able to have a pure heart by your own capabilities, by your own effort alone. You need the work of God. Otherwise, you will not be able to change this. The work of God, first step, let us find out what are the impurities, how it comes to our heart, how can we get rid of it, how can we overcome it, how can we avoid it next time. And this is really very important. What's called repentance and confession. You have to evaluate yourself, you have to find out all these things, and come to repent and confess. Actually, the Lord said that clearly to Isaiah, when he said, come through Isaiah, he said, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, very dark color, they shall be a white, as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So this means that we need to get rid of our sins, filthiness. And to be, uh, to cleanse ourselves. But again, it needs the grace of God through the sacrament of uh, repentance and confession. To get rid of this pollution or these impurities into your heart. And for sure, your father of confession will give you some spiritual training to avoid falling again or gaining these impurities again or allowing it to get into 
your heart. So here we see that there is a dual action. A divine action and a human action. Actually, Jeremiah in the Old Testament said to the Lord, Restore me and I will return, for you are the Lord of myself. Restore me and I will return, for you are the Lord my God. He feels that I'm not able to do this. I am not able to purify my heart again. Actually, our Lord Jesus said to us, without me you can do nothing. Yes, we can. without Him, if you are depending on your capabilities, you will not be able to do anything, even repentance. It needs the work of God plus your work. My work comes out through evaluating my life, seeing what's right, what's wrong. I have to come to my father of confession to talk about what happened and to repent and express my repentance before Abuna and he will give me his absolution. So this is really very important. Again, David said the same thing in the Old Testament. Creating me a clean heart. And we know all these Psalms, the Psalm of Repentance, Psalm 51. When he says, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So, clean heart, pure heart, he's asking God to create this. Actually, we receive it in baptism. So again, when I fall down now, what should I do? I have to return it back to God to clean this heart. Actually, David experienced that, and he said to us, Who will climb up to the Lord's mountain? Or who will stand in his holy place? It's a question. Who? And he answered, The one with innocent hands and a pure heart. You need a pure heart to climb up up to the Lord's mountain. What is the Lord's mountain? The church. Because we are elevated up above all earthly things. Actually, in the liturgy, many church fathers said, either the heaven comes to us here, or we are raised up to the heaven during the time of the liturgy. Do we believe that? Do you feel that? If you are really, really looking for purity of heart, and you are really involved in all the prayers, I am sure that you feel that you are not in this world. We don't know if the heavenly creatures are coming to us or we are raised up to them. But again, we are very pleased because Emmanuel, our God, is in the midst of us in every gathering in the church. And not only in the midst, but actually we are abiding in Him and He is abiding in us in every communion. Do we believe that? Or it is just theoretical beliefs or facts we know or learn since you are, since our infancy or maybe in Sunday school or whatever. You have to feel that. I am abiding in Christ. And He is abiding in me. He said that clearly. He who eats my body and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in Him or abides in me and I in Him. Clearly. But do you feel that? You know, one of the former stories about St. Ruiz. He was living during the time of Pope Matthäus, and when he comes to take communion, you know, always he have like a row, and everybody take communion going fast, and then leaving the next one to come. When it comes to St. Louis, who is really reluctant 
to go forward to take communion. And he is really uh, spending some time and maybe, uh, you know, you are delaying the whole row behind you. So Pope Matthäus one time asked him, why you are doing this? Why you are not coming to take communion? And he knows that he's a saint. But Saint Louis shows us what is in his heart. He said to him, who is worthy to receive the word of God in his heart, but only those who are pure in heart, like Virgin Mary? He feels that the Lord get into the belly of Virgin Mary because she's pure. And I'm going to take the body and blood of Christ. He will dwell in me, abides in me. And I have to be equally pure like St. Mary. And he feels that I'm not worthy. And this leads us to examine ourselves every time we are coming to take communion. Do you feel that? Do you feel that I need to be pure in heart? It is good at least that I feel that I am not worthy. But I am coming to be worthy through Christ to have a pure heart. I am coming as a patient to be treated from the death of my sin. And to have a living blood. This is blood transfusion. Living blood from him. To me, the dead person, to be alive again. And his blood will go over my whole body, not only veins and arteries, to the whole body, to cleanse me, to purify me. And St. John said in his epistle, the blood of Christ cleans us from all sins, all, no exception. So if he cleanses us, we're going to have a pure heart. But it's a condition here. How? And which condition you are coming from to take communion? Are you really repenting? Do you feel that you are a sinner? Or you look to others and said, oh, you know, and we judge others and coming to take communion. Doesn't work. So again, going back to this point, he said, who climbed up to the Lord's mountain? Or who will stand in his holy place? The one with Innocent hands and a pure heart Who has not received his soul in vain So I repent I confess, take absolution Restored back the image Clear heart, pure What's next? Actually the scriptures The scriptures challenges us by saying, Therefore, having these promises, behold, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Again, remember, we mentioned that the whole meaning of purity equal to holiness. To be holy. And St. John said to us, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So even the purity, you have to be pure like him. You have to be holy like him. So this leads us to need or shows us the need of transformation. 
transformation. St. Paul said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, but renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind. And actually, actually, this is, this is what bothers us a lot. All creatures are obedient to God, but not men. How come? We have righteous people, and they are obeying God. Look at the, the, the whole story of Jonah. The wind obeyed. The sea obeyed. The whale obeyed. The worm obeyed. The plant obeyed. But who disobeyed? Man. Why? Because he used this. He was thinking... And he rejects the idea because it doesn't make any sense to him or maybe or he don't like it or whatever for any reason. But okay, I decide something else. What you gonna do? I'm going to flee. And this is our problem. Sometimes we like the idea. Satan comes to us with some attacks of bad thoughts and we accept it unfortunately. And instead of rejecting it, but we accept it. So the scriptures tells us that we have to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. And we have to purify ourselves to be pure like him. Transformation is very important. And transformation here doesn't mean just, just to reject your bad deeds. But to transform yourself as a person. I have to change my mind. My way of thinking is very important. Why? We have to be transformed. And to which form? To transform someone to the, you have to try to change it from one form to the other. So what is the other form we need us to be? Actually, the image of God. To imitate the incarnate word of God. Actually, our Lord Jesus, through His incarnation, He came to, to us for many reasons. The most important one is to fulfill our salvation. No doubt about that. But He also gave us the example of the perfect human. And this is why He lived in all different ages. From infancy till youth. And He gave us the example how to live a perfect life. To be perfect, to be holy, to be pure. Like him. And from this idea comes imitation of Christ. Imitation of Christ was known in the Orthodox Church from the early centuries. You know what they they call it now? Recently, a few years ago, they call it what would Jesus do? WWJD. This is imitation of Christ. We know it many, many centuries before. And actually, it is in the Bible. St. Paul said to the Corinthians, he said to them, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. I'm imitating Christ. If you imitate me, because you saw me, you didn't see, you didn't see Jesus in the flesh, but you saw me. If you imitate me, actually you are imitating Christ. Wow. Who can say that? I couldn't say that if you imitate me, you're going to imitate Christ. Because I know my weakness. But imagine the idea that St. Paul has a target. And his target to imitate Christ in every deed, in every character, in every attitude, every behavior. 
And he is really courageous enough to tell his disciples or the people of Corinth to tell them, if you imitate me, you imitate Christ. So I am inviting you, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So it is very important. Purity of heart is needed for uh, unity with Christ. Let me shift to the last point. I'll try to finish. Yeah, this is the last point, and actually, it is a very important point. Now, we are talking all of that just to reach to this point. We have to be pure in heart to see God. He said, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, shall see God. This is our target now. What we need to know about it. Actually, let me ask this question. Do you think that he's talking just about a reward is going to happen in heaven or something else? Actually, he's talking about seeing God not only in heaven, but also here in our age. If you remember the the mirror and light, uh, our Lord Jesus said, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. What that means? Kingdom of God is within you. If the kingdom is within me, where? In the heart. This means that the king is reigning here in my heart. Okay? So I have to have this pure heart. Imagine if you... If you have a, a great guest coming to visit you at home, what are you going to do first thing? What are you going to do beforehand? He's coming next week. What are you going to do during the whole week? Huh? A lot of cleaning and cleaning and, you know, putting everything in order. and Right? Okay. Christ is coming to reign over your heart. And he says that my kingdom is within you. Can you get this guest and sit, let him sit in, in, a, in a room full of boxes and garbage and is it okay? For sure this dishonor. The Lord will not be able to dwell in a heart full of falseness, but a pure heart. A pure heart. So, St. Paul said in, to the Hebrews, pursue peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see God so it's a must holiness and without this holiness will not be able to see God the purity of heart again it is the same idea okay so how can we see God in this age and the age to come in this age we may see God through the Holy Scriptures, with the eyes of understanding. Actually, again, uh, seeing in Greek is not just to see. You know when someone is explaining something to you and you said, I see, I see. What that means? He's talking to you and you didn't see anything. But I see here means I understand. Right? I understand. So when you read the Scriptures with an open eye, you're going to see God. You're going to see God. 
It is not my words. Let me go back to the words of our Lord Jesus. He said, He who has my commandments and keeps them. So the condition here, not to know, but to keep, which means to live according to these words or these commandments. What's going to happen? It is he who loves me. Now, you are proving that you love me actually because you are living according to my word. Good. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. Great. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Manifest myself to him. He will be able to see me. If we live according to his commands, to his word, we're going to see him here through the scriptures or also through the wisdom. You can see God in everything around you, even the universe. And St. Paul gave us this example when he's talking about those who reject to believe in God, the atheists. He said, yes, you know, all the universe is speaking about the creator. He said, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Clearly seen. We're going to see his attributes through the universe. Those who are studying biology or anatomy or, or botany or, or zoology, who puts the rules for all these creatures? You're going to see God through his works, marvelous works. In the universe, if you look to the sky, who puts the laws? Why the moon is not hitting the earth and earth is moving Mars and we are moving towards the sun? Why? What? Everything is in order. So, through wisdom, we can see the Lord in everything around us. More than that, you can see God through his marvelous intervention during the time of hardships. Sometimes you are complaining, you know what, life is not fair. I'm always suffering, I'm always facing problems. When I get out from one problem, I face another problem. And I'm not even able to breathe. Why all of that? Why bad things happen to good people? This is what they say. Okay? Listen, you're going to see God through your hardships. Daniel saw him inside the den of the lions. How about outside the den? He's not able to see him. The three children of Israel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abdenago, or Sidrach, Misach, Abdenago, inside the fiery furnace, they saw him walking with them outside the furnace. He's gone. So you can see him through your hardships. Actually, this is the experience of one who suffered a lot more than any one of us. You know who is he? Job in the Old Testament. He said a very strong word at the end of his book. And this is the whole experience. What did he say? He said, I have heard of you talking to God. I I heard about you. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now, my eye sees you. So he was able to see God? Actually, do you think that he he saw the divinity? No, absolutely not. But he saw God through his marvelous works in his life, at the time of his hardships. So he is not leaving you alone. You are not left behind. 
While you are suffering, he is suffering with you. If you are shedding your tears, he is shedding his tears with you, as he did at the tomb of Lazarus. Maybe I'm not able to see his tears, I'm not able to see him suffering like me. Huh? Yeah. But if you have pure heart, you're going to see him. You're going to see him. And you're going to feel exactly how he feels about what's happening in your life. So, God is not seen by our physical eyes. He is not seen by our physical eyes, but by the eyes of the heart, if we can say that. Okay? In the book of wisdom, it says, Think of the Lord in goodness and seek Him in simplicity of heart. Seek Him. If you want to see Him, seek Him. In simplicity of heart. Again, simplicity goes under the meaning of purity. Simple heart. Okay? So, what we're going to see is not the essence of God or His divinity, but we are seeing His invisible attributes. This is here on earth, while we are still living in His age. How about the age to come, in eternity? Oh, this is a different story. St. John said to us, Behold, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be in heaven. But, we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We're going to see Him as He is. Now we are not able to see him, but later on, for those who gain the pure heart, for sure they're going to see him in eternity as he is. And this is the words of St. John. He said, I'm not, I'm not able to describe to you what's going to happen. But imagine, we are still here on earth struggling, and we are elevated to the level of the children of God. What's going to happen later? He said, I don't know exactly, but I'm sure of one thing, that we're going to see him as he is. So this is really very important. And uh, this means that we're going to see him in his glory, in his heavenly kingdom, face to face, if we can say that. As the apostles say, for now we see in, in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Now to know in part, I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. So it is not only to see God, but to know, to know Him. Actually, we don't know everything about God. What we know is just the little things He declared to us. Sometimes He was talking about many things and He stopped and He said, you know, you are not able to receive more than that. You are not able. When He was talking to Nicodemus and He said to him, if I am telling you just the earthly things, what about if I am telling you the heavenly things? Okay, so we are not knowing everything, but up there, we're gonna know everything, and we're gonna meet with him face to face. And actually, this knowledge, it's not by mind, but, and it is not to the end, but every time you're gonna learn more and more and more and more and more, and you will not reach to the end, because God is endless. And this is why they call it eternity. Now we are just looking like in a mirror. Imagine if you are looking in a picture of someone in Egypt, you don't see him or her for a long time. Just looking to a mirror image. Completely different than when we meet this person. When you meet him face to face, it's completely different. New experience. Okay. Now, 
we are just looking for a mirror in a mirror or looking in a image and uh, actually in heaven we're going to see him face to face and we know him more so saint augustine said a very nice uh, statement he said what would one search for when we reach one's eyes if you are seeing everything why you are what do you think are you, you are searching for that you see it already Okay, or what would satisfy one who would not be satisfied with God? If you are not satisfied with God, you will not be satisfied by anything else. Okay, he said, yes, we wish to see God. Who does not have this desire? All of us want to see God. That's great. And we are looking for that, actually. And we are looking for that. Okay, so he said... We wish to see God. Who does not have this, does not have this desire? We strive to see God. We are on fire with the desire of seeing God. But pay attention to the saying, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Provide yourself with this means of seeing God. Actually, he is encouraging us to use all the means, and means he's including the sacraments, the holy sacraments of the church. So, at the end, let me tell you what the psalmist says. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold, to see, to behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. And he continued after that, when you said, seek my face, talking to God. My heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And this is the, the whole objective of his life. Actually, when we say all of that, look at the Theotokos. When we are celebrating these days, the, the fast of St. Mary. It is a great example of the pure of heart. And she was very pure. She was all pure, not merely body, but also because her spiritual soundness, her heart was pure, her mind was pure, her soul magnifies the Lord, and her spirit rejoiced in God, her Savior, as she said. And today we are celebrating the transfiguration, and actually, look at the three disciples, they were able to see God in His glory. On the Mount of Tabor, Mount Tabor. But how can you reach up to the Mount? We mentioned that David said to us, "You have to have a pure heart and innocent hands to go up to the mountain and to see His glory." Actually, we're going to see Him in eternity. But again, we are not waiting for eternity. You are able to see Him through your life, day by day. But just open your eyes. Try to purify your heart. Work diligently to have this pure heart through the work of God, His grace in the sacraments, and through your repentance, following the commandments, being discerned, uh, wise, as we mentioned. All these things will help us to be pure in heart, and we shall see God. May the Lord 
count us all among the heavenly creatures who are praising him and able to behold him in his glory. And glory be to God forever. Amen.